It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling groovy. Well, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. I'm Darlene Kavis, licensed nutritionist, and I'm so pleased to have the opportunity to bring you life-changing nutrition information. Here's some life-changing information that many of you may have heard on Good Morning America this week. Acid-reducing drugs, which include Nexium, Pri- pro- pro- how do I say <laughs> that word? Prilosec. I always have trouble with that word. <laughs> Protonics um, increases the risk of bone fractures by 25%. And you can double the risk of getting that really bad bacteria that people are talking about, that stuff that's called C. diff. Mm. So if you're taking an acid blocker for more than a few weeks, you're at risk. Actually, you're at risk. You need to change what you're eating and how you're eating and drinking if you don't want bone thinning to occur or run the risk of getting C. diff if you have to go to the hospital. So that's kind of an interesting thing that's Mm -hmm. been happening. So we have a lot of life-changing nutrition information to share today. And joining me as our co-host is Kristen Gunderson, nutrition educator. And many of you may have seen Kristen by taking classes from her or... Maybe you've seen her interviewed on Girl Talk, uh, which is a local cable channel. Yep. Yep. And she's been all over, haven't you? Yep, I sure have. Thanks, Darren. Good morning, everybody. Girl Talk, yes. It kind of sounds deceiving. It's really like a mini nutrition class when we sit down together in that little studio. Um, But it is a great introduction to our nutrition emphasis of real food on TV. So people should check it out. And I think people are starting to realize they need real food to stay healthy. Those lean cuisines, smart ones, and cereals, they're just not cutting it for us. They have calories, but they're lacking nutrients and create nutritional deficiencies. But I bet if we went into companies right now, (laughs) well, maybe on the work, you know, during the week, Mm -hmm. and we would see what people are opening up for lunch, Mm. there are still those things there. Oh, yeah, they're eating stuff. They're not eating food. That's what I really like to talk about in class a lot. It's like so many people are eating things. That they think are food. And, then, and they, yeah, they wonder yeah. why they're hungry all the time. Yep. They're not eating any nutrients at all. And then they're going back to eating, having the acid blockers because they've got indigestion and acid mm-hmm. and, and they're needing their acid blockers. And pretty soon then they've got bone thinning. Yep. Kind of okay. interesting, all these things that happen to people. Yeah, it sure is. And we are also pleased to welcome Greg Peterson. Greg Peterson is the co-owner of Nutrition Dynamics, and it's a company that's providing quality supplements and professional nutritional education to nutritionists, to doctors, to other healthcare professionals. And I've known Greg for 30 years, and I've known and respected him for over 30 years. And, of course, you know, he started researching nutrition when he was about 15, right? Uh, at, at least. Uh, I, think, <laughs> I think it was pre-puberty. Actually, so, you know, pre-puberty. 15 and 30, he's about 45. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they're doing all the research, and you'll know, and everybody that listens to the show calls him the research man. Mm-hmm. And we love to have him come on and give us some 
information, more research, and you do. The other thing is you've got a great, great passion for nutrition, and you live the lifestyle, don't you? Well, I, I certainly try. I was one of those kind of weird kids in my teenage years. I was actually supplementing vitamin E and A and B complex and taking my cod liver oil and working out <laughs> and doing all those kinds of strange things, but... Uh, Oh, uh, well, one thing I think you did pay off because I was uh, voted best looking in my senior class, though. Ooh, so, you know. there you go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that was many years ago, though. <laughs> I had hair. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, he certainly has a lot of muscle on today, I'll tell you. Yeah, wow. You've Try been it. you've been working on it again, nice haven't work. you? <laughs> I got a bench press competition coming up end of June, so I'm kind of oh, hitting it cool. a little bit harder here now, too. So I'm getting beefing up a little bit more. Very so. cool. Yeah. It's awesome. Kind of fun. Well, it's great. We're going to have fun this morning. Yeah, we show. are. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Always. Well, today our topic actually is all about gout. So if you have pain in your big toe, you just might have it. The incidence of gout has doubled in the U.S. since 1960. Eight out of 1,000 people are affected by gout, and the prime victims are men over the age of 40. But, Greg, we were talking earlier, it's about 30 to... 30 to 45 is really prime. And who knows exactly? I'm sure it's lifestyle. It's probably maybe overconsumption of alcohol and so forth like that, too. But, yeah, they're they're the kind of prime candidates. It's the most common inflammatory arthritis amongst males, too, you know. And one thing I was going to mention as well, like uric acid isn't a bad thing. Uric acid is a very strong antioxidant. It's very essential for the integrity of uh, blood vessels and so forth, too. But like everything, it has to be in a moderate amount and so forth. So when it gets, uh, it becomes too high and gets converted to these different, you know, uric acid crystals that gets into the soft tissues and so forth. And in the big toe is one of the common places and so on for whatever reason, we're not exactly sure. It becomes a very painful, you know, condition. And uh, we've known about, you know, the fact that there's been this correlation between high uric acid and uh, gout since the 19th century. So it's not, not a new thing. Mm-mm. So, yeah, I was, this, you know, for listeners, Greg, let's kind of connect that again a little bit. There is a connection between uric acid and gout. And, you know, and I think, you know, so then what we're what we need to do is kind of go back and figure out, OK, wh- how does that how does that affect the big toe? What happens when people have too much uric acid again? Well, it, it, you know, it, it forms crystals at that point. You know, we know those are very painful, you know, and they, they tend to kind of migrate to the different stress tissues, you know, that the person has. So, you know, structurally, I'm not exactly sure why the big toe gets picked up, but we know it's, it's, it's joints, you know, and it's uh, also a lot of times different organs and glands and so forth that accumulate this uric acid. And it's kind of a case of where it's these crystals where they shouldn't really be forming or where they really shouldn't be, you know, because, you know, the, the uric acid comes from purine, you know, and we have different high purine, you know, containing foods. Now, purines are also necessary for the genetic structure and the genetic health as well. So that's not a bad thing either. But if you eat too much purine containing foods or you have a familial risk, you know, to that, or maybe you have some kidney stress and so forth, now you have a lot of conversion of these purines to, you know, uric acid that gets to a point where it's too high, where it forms these crystals, which now migrate to different parts of the, the body, creating pain and pain. inflammation. Yeah. You know. yeah. Wow. So gout or pain in your big toe, it's really only the tip of the iceberg, though, when it comes to health problems most men are suffering from when they have these high levels of uric acid, right? Well, and there's more problems, actually, than just gout. I mean, and a lot of the gout sufferers are also, they have other problems. They have heart disease, they have metabolic syndrome, they have high blood pressure, they have kidney disease, 
They have diabetes. So 70%, and listen to this, 70% mm-hmm. of people <clears throat> with gout are obese. So what causes so many men to produce too much uric acid? And I know it isn't just men. I mean, we we know that as women get older, like into menopause or even older than that, you know, postmenopausal, they often have some problems with uric, too much uric acid and actually having gout too. So, Greg, all these men that are having problems now, what's causing it? Well, multiple things. I mean, it goes back to what we were talking before the show. It's a whole lifestyle out of control, you know, and with men and women too, but men, a lot of times they like their beer. You know, I was talking to one of my buddies I was working out with yesterday and he said, yeah, um, you know, I quit drinking beer here for a while. And uh, he said, I didn't realize I'd gotten up to drinking like six to eight beers a night. And here's a guy that's working out that's a little bit more cognizant of it, but it's such a you know common lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, beer is, is a, uh, you know, contributor to this whole situation, yes. you know, big time, you know. It is. Yes. Oh, yep. Yeah. So, but Greg, I get that there are a lot of men out there who have gout, but are rarely, if ever, drinking beer. And they're still having a high uric acid um, amount in their body and gout. So what are some other causes of high uric acid? Well, you know, I, I, I maybe could answer some of that because a number of studies have linked elevated uric acid levels to other things. You know, it's this is interesting. When we were doing, when I was doing some research for this, I found that, you know, if you have a high uric acid level, you can develop high blood pressure very easily. So then I connected. Okay, I thought, okay, so we get all these people that are having high blood pressure and gout. Are they also drinking a lot of beer? <laughs> and I think that's true. So there mm-hmm. might be part of the epidemic of high blood pressure and high gout could be just high beer consumption. And like you said, your friend that you were working out with didn't even realize that he was drinking that much. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and it's the other things too, not only the, the beer and the alcohol, but you, you get into a lot of the high purine containing foods. And, and those are some of the different things like, you know, your, your beef, you know, a lot of times organ meats, uh, anchovies, her- herring, mackerel, um, even some of the different, uh, you know, vegetables, you know, like uh, spinach, asparagus, beans, lentils, and so forth too, have a fairly high amount of, pur- of um, purines that can be converted to this uric acid. And in susceptible people that maybe are combining that with with a higher alcohol beer intake and the people have maybe some kidney inhibition and that kidney inhibition can go back to taking non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like ibuprofen, which we know compromise, you know, kidney function. Uh, so it's this, probably a whole yeah. complex, you know, yeah, going. Yeah. And that leads, yeah, that leads down a whole other path of overuse of things. We're going <laughs> to take a quick break here. So you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. If you're still wanting to sign up for a weight and wellness series, we want to give you three great morning options. We have a Saturday class starting in Wyzetta and in St. Paul on the 22nd next Saturday at 930. So get inspired by listening to this show today and call Amy at our office at 651-699-3438. Start yourself on the road to wellness today. We also still have room um, on our Tuesday morning class in St. Paul. Great teachers and lots of real-life suggestions. I just started my latest group in Woodbury this past Wednesday, and I can tell you we are going to have fun while they are making positive changes in their eating and learning how to reach their personal goals. So questions today, 651-641-1071. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. 
You know, there was a headline in the Tuesday morning Pioneer Press business section that caught my attention this week. There, it's a task force urges war on kids' obesity. The article went on to point out that many brands of yogurt aimed at kids are full of sugar. The news report also pointed out that General Mills owns several brands of these yogurts <laughs> marketed toward children, including Gogurt, which is oh. roughly about one-sixth sugar. Yuck. You know, so I really, as, as a parent and a grandparent, I think we just have to stop buying those high-sugar foods. Yes. You know, look at the label. If it says 35 grams of carbs, you'll be getting probably about six to eight teaspoons of sugar. And that's in that little six-ounce container of yogurt. So it's going to be a lot better if you can be a wise consumer, buy plain yogurt, full-fat, organic if possible, and put some blueberries in there. Yeah, And the kids will love it just as much as the sugared ones. Well, I mean, honestly, if you saw your kid putting six, even three teaspoons of sugar on something, I mean, right. you would holler at them and tell them to knock it off. And you're just giving that to them. And not even right. knowing, thinking yeah. that you're giving them a oh, nice it's yogurt. treat. Yeah, it's yogurt. Yep. So, yes, it is. That's a good <laughs> word for it. In fact, let's go back to talking a little bit more about Sugar. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's been lots of studies about sugar and gout, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, it really sugar, refined car- carbohydrates, and so forth. And I was remembering too, even a piece of research that was done by Dr. Richard Jens, or Johnson at um, University of Colorado, and he found that 90 percent of teenagers who had been diagnosed with high blood pressure also had high elevated levels of uric acid. So that kind of goes back to it's not just this beer drinking like we we're talking about before. There seems to be other things going on, like we were talking about, you know, the sugars and you know the different other kinds of you know foods and alcohol and so forth. That's kind of a mix. And I think Kristen had some ideas too. She was talking about a break on the high fructose corn syrup as well. Well, yeah, and they're drinking, but they're just not they're not drinking beer. They're drinking sodas, and these sports drinks have them all in it, all that high fructose corn syrup. And so there's a huge connection there. So if you've got pain in your big toe, you might have to give up your soda. You know, in fact, a recent study found that men who consume the most soft drinks also have the highest uric acid levels. Hmm, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. So just, you know, you just kind of step back. And, you know, I just had a client yesterday and she said, you know, my husband's doing much better. (laughs) He used to drink 12 cans of Mountain Dew every day. Now she has him down to one or two cans of Mountain Dew every day. Well, that is which a is big a change. Big, yes, yeah. a big change. But can you imagine? <laughs> twelve. I mean, he is actually if you if you're drinking six to twelve to wow. two to <sighs> four to whatever the number is, you're setting yourself up for gout. I oh, mean, for lots of problems. You yes. really are. And I think for that, nothing good. Exactly. And <laughs> yeah. I think maybe it's even a bigger problem than sometimes, you know, we like to kind of focus on these different, you know, uh, organ meats like kidney and heart and liver and so forth. But, you know, I don't know that many people that eat those <laughs> foods anyway. <laughs> no, right. But everybody yeah. eats sugar and this high fructose corn syrup, you know, so that probably w- really is the culprit much more so than some of these other good foods that might be a little bit higher in purines. Well, the, the same thing goes, you know, it could be before break, you mentioned about asparagus and a few of the vegetables. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't know many people. No. Well, maybe a few of our staff. We but, know, <laughs> but you know, but yeah. most people are not eating too much no. asparagus, no. and they're not eating too much kidney or liver or 
Mm -hmm. You can't get that stuff at the drive-thru, <laughs> typically. So, you know, basically what they're eating is too much sugar. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, so when we're talking about uric acid, Greg, what, you know, if if you if people were going to go in and have their bloods tested and to see how much uric acid was good, what's the range for uric acid? Because uric acid has some benefits, doesn't it? Well, exactly. You know, like you were saying earlier, it's a powerful antioxidant, and it's very essential for maintaining the integrity of the blood vessels, you know, too. So we don't want to lose that. So you want to have a healthy amount of uric acid, which would be somewhere between like 3 and 5.5 in the blood is, is a good, healthy level of that. If you get above that 5.5, uh, then and you have it uh, coupled with uh, high blood pressure and some of these other things like that, too, you have that risk of developing, you know, gout at that point. But, uh, again, you know, I don't want to always just jump on uric acid and say something the body normally produces is a bad thing. But it's yes, always in right. balance. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I think the one of the things, Greg, is that we, you know, not only gout, is there more of an epidemic or we're, we're seeing more and more clients with gout problems. But I think that the other thing that's really a high epidemic problem is high blood pressure these days. Mm -hmm. And it was so interesting, again, when looking at this research that, it, uric acid is traced back to how it affects the blood vessels. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that's even more interesting that, and we're looking again, we're looking at that goes back to how much sugar we're consuming and how much fructose everyone is consuming. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of interesting connections to all this. Huge connections. Well, to a, kind of a good point we were talking about earlier too, Dar, was um, about three-fourths of the patients that have gout have elevated triglycerides. You know, oh, so it yeah. kind of goes back to that mm -hmm. whole cardiovascular, even the metabolic syndrome we've talked about before. These people that have the high triglycerides, high lipids, high blood pressure, um, all those kinds of things that create this metabolic syndrome, which is a precursor, of course, to diabetes, mm -hmm. heart disease, and ultimately death. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I think the other thing, Greg, is when we're looking at what causes triglyceride levels to be high. You know, it, when we're teaching our weight and wellness classes, we try and encourage people to have them at 75 or under, you know, mm -hmm. and, but, you know, and we get people in that have 1100 or, oh, yeah. you know, actually one of our teachers started out at 1100 mm. and had been a very good vegetarian and being very careful. She thought about how she was eating and her triglycerides were 1100 and now they're like under, you know, under a hundred because oh, she's changed the way she's eating. Oh, good. Mm. But, well, you know, you know, maybe tell listeners, how do you make triglycerides? Because what foods do you eat that makes triglycerides? Well, again, it's, it's that sugar intake that, mm -hmm. that really does it. So, and, and you, it, it kind of hit a, a chord with me when you mentioned that, Dar, that there's a lot of people out there that think they're eating well. Yep. You know, they're yeah. really pretty clueless as to what really is good and wholesome eating that you talk about it, nutrition, weight, and wellness in your classes and so forth. And so, again, it's this high sugar intake, you know, this uh, development of insulin resistance, metabolic syndrome. All of a sudden, mm -hmm. you see elevation of all these different lipids and the blood pressure. And voila, you know, you think you're doing well and you find that you're you're sick. You know? Yeah. And it's not like sugary foods. It's not muffins, cookies, and cakes. It's anything that's a carbohydrate. And those processed ones are the ones that break down into all that sugar kind of in one shot and mm -hmm. just creating that excess inflammation, which leads to the triglycerides. And it's, it's just frightening because right now we're consuming as Americans 30% more fructose today than in 1970. And that's what is found in all those processed foods to keep them shelf stable. Right? Yes. You know? 
So, you know, we might say, some people might be saying, well, hasn't fructose always been part of the human diet? You know, that's the main sugar found in fruit. Well, it's also the main ingredient in high fructose corn syrup. You know, it's in honey, and it's it's also in a half of every teaspoon of refined sugar. I think that's interesting. Every, you know, it's half. Mm-hmm. 50% of a teaspoon of sugar is fructose. Yeah. And we know if we have a teaspoon of high fructose corn syrup, it's 55% fructose. And we're really tracing that more back to the high blood pressure and the gout. So is it now time for us to take a break, Kristen, maybe? Or... We sure can. Okay. So we're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. You are too. And I think we are all aware that obesity comes with many health risks, but there's one that perhaps is not so well known, and that's an increased risk of developing liver cancer. New research out of the University of California found that by reducing the obesity rate, we can reduce cancer deaths each year by 90,000. That's a lot of people, and it all starts with sugar. Questions, call 651-641-1071. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Darlene Kavis, licensed nutritionist, and I'm here with uh, Kristen Gunderson, nutrition educator, and Greg Peterson. Still here. Yeah. (laughs) So if you have a hard question, this is the time to call in because Greg's got lots of answers. And those that he doesn't have, we'll come up with. Oh, sure. We'll We'll even make them up sometimes. (laughs) We would never do such a thing. And so those answers pertain to nutrition as well. Oh, yes, right. (laughs) So if you have other questions, you know, we have a lot of two-hour classes going on. And, you know, we've got uh, on cholesterol, we've got them on digestion, we've got them on metabolism, we've got them on bone health. So you can check our website, weightandwellness.com, and just sign up for a two-hour class. And really, you'll get a lot of great information and you'll get inspired because we give you information about real food because it's the real answer and it's not just, you know, other things. So if you have questions about Classes, call us at 651 Oh, that's questions about today. 641-1071. Yeah. All these phone numbers today. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have class on blood sugar, too. And so let's just keep talking about sugar, that fructose and sugar, because that seems to be a real issue tied to this gout. It is. And, you know, we've been hearing lately, at least in the field of nutrition, we've been hearing a lot about fructose because it is in High fructose corn syrup. And mm-hmm. we know, I mean, I hear this from mothers a lot. Oh, I don't buy that product any longer because it's got high fructose corn syrup. But, you know, all the sodas, almost all the sodas still have <sighs> yeah. high fructose corn syrup. Candy bars, mm-hmm. flavored yogurts, pasta sauces. Yeah. Oh, I remember standing at the grocery store trying to buy applesauce for my grandchildren. And every jar that I picked up had high fructose corn mm-hmm. syrup in it. And... You know, in 1970, we consumed less than a half a pound of high fructose corn syrup per year. And now, today, the average person is consuming 42 pounds of high fructose corn syrup per year. Mm -hmm. I mean, from a half a pound to 42 pounds. Yeah. No wonder we've got issues. Yeah. 
Uh, we're evolving into something, but it's not a <laughs> not a good thing. Well, no. we were talking about that earlier yeah. too. That you you don't see, unfortunately, with children and younger people. You know the vitality and the sparkle, and the real health that uh, we saw. You know a generation or two ago. Right. And so, what is the downside of eating all this high fructose corn syrup and so forth and sugar and refined carbohydrates? Is we've seen weight gain. We see them constantly hungry because they're not getting the nutrients yes. that they need to yeah. fuel the body. They're you know? eating all so they're day, eating but all they're the never time, the never wrong hungry. stuff. Yeah. You know, slow metabolism because of it. It shuts down, you know, the thyroid function and some of those other um, glands that are very important for metabolism. You know, we see high blood pressure. We're seeing now type two diabetes in preteens. Now, type oh, 2 diabetes, yeah. remember, they used to call it the un- adult onset mm-hmm. diabetes, but they had to change it to a, a type 2 because you had 12, 13, and 14-year-olds developing that condition. You know, right. So it's just uh, in, in you know, gout and kidney disease, all kinds of terrible, terrible problems. And have you noticed, Greg, uh, that there is a dialysis uh, company on every corner now? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, a kidney dialysis, <laughs> yeah. a, a few years ago, we never even heard of that. Mm-mm. And Rare, uh, yeah. very rarely. Really oh. sad. We have a really good question. I'm going to okay. take it from Judy here. Okay. Hey, Judy, you're on the air. Hi. I have a question about honey. Yeah. Um, I drink, I t- take a good amount of natural honey straight from the beekeeper uh, in my green tea every morning with cinnamon. And I'm wondering, is that a concern with the high fructose? It is. I mean, honey is has high, it has fructose in it. Now, if you're taking a teaspoon of that, Probably not a concern, but if you're using a lot of it, and I don't find that most people that eat honey use a lot of honey. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you're probably putting a little bit in your green tea, and it's not like when you're drinking a soda. Not at all. You know, Mm -hmm. when you probably wouldn't even drink a soda, would you? Right. Good answer, Judy. (laughs) (laughs) So I I don't think it's a big concern, but for people, but we want to make sure that people realize that, yeah, fruit has fructose in it, honey has fructose in it, Mm -hmm. but it's when we're getting it in the processed foods that we're overdoing usually. Well, someone was saying, well, but it's natural sugar, like the sugar in fruit. Yeah, well, natural sugar in fruit and again, uh, some you know maybe if you eat three fruits a day, mm-hmm. you're getting about the amount of fructose that you really need per day to function. Right. Yeah, but you, more than that is a risk. So if you're drinking juice, you know if you have a glass of juice, you're getting probably six fruits. Oh, so yeah. then you're over the limit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but okay, your teaspoon you. in your tea is just fine. You're getting the green light from Dar. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Thank you. Judy. Thanks for the call. So, you know, I have interesting, you, Greg mentioned this person before. It's Dr. Richard Johnson, and he's a clinical researcher at the University of Colorado, and he's author of a book called Sugar Fix. And it's an gr- interesting book. It's a very interesting book. And so I know we picked it up at Borders, and, and, and um, you know, it's, so it's around and you can pick it up. And he is actually working with the National Institute of Health to prove that the most harmful way or the way you're going to get the most rise in uric acid is to eat foods that contain fructose. Mm-hmm. So when he was been doing animal studies, he found that the only animals to develop diabetes, high blood pressure, and gout are the animals that are fed fructose. Mm-hmm. 
So going back to the honey thing, you know, <laughs> so the bear is dipping in those honey jars. <laughs> <laughs> and look what Pooh Bear looks like. Yeah, he has a big belly and probably a sore toe, right? <laughs> probably. He does kind of hobble. A little bit. <laughs> so in fact, fructose generates the uric acid within minutes of eating it. So Isn't that interesting? That's really kind of frightening. So if you're experiencing gout, the first thing to look to is your fructose intake. You know, the two main sources of fructose are table sugar and high fructose corn syrup. I want to get back to what Judy was saying. You know, people do think, well, it's natural, it's in fruit or or something like that. But like you said, Dar, three pieces of fruit a day, you're probably hitting your max. Mm -hmm. And you have to think back to where we started. In evolution, you know, we rarely had berries. You know, we rarely Mm -hmm. had fruit um, because you don't need it. I mean, you need about one teaspoon a day to function of sugar. To mm-hmm. function. I mean, if you're active, mm-hmm. you need a little bit more. But I think this idea that we need it and it's okay and it's fruit and, you know, fruit is healthier than a Snicker bar. But, you know, it's something that you don't want to overdo that either because our body doesn't need all that fructose to function for the day. Um, it's, uh, it's just, And I think, Kristen, is when we're working with people, we realize that most people don't overconsume fruit. On, you know, they may be three fruits a day. But it's when they start to put it in juice, yeah. Then right. they're over yep, consuming. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. yep. And, and, and it's so, just it's and the the fruit is the healthiest portion of it. But you're that's not the only thing you're eating all day that's got the fructose in it. You know, yes. that's the tip of the iceberg. And when you see you get enough just from that, well, what's in all the processed stuff you're taking in as well? Well, so, you know, even even like a, a slice of bread for a lot of people, yeah. Has high fructose corn syrup in it, yeah. which you know you don't even think no. a piece of bread would have high fructose corn syrup. Nope. Why all those buns at the picnics that are going to be coming up have those high fructose corn syrups in it? So the two main sources of fructose again are table sugar and high fructose corn syrup, and that Dr. Johnson actually recommends really limiting this this fructose consumption. One can of soda, or like you said, one glass of juice alone, or three pieces of fruit. You know, we're getting really close to the level. Soda would certainly exceed any level that would be considered healthy at all. So you can see how quickly, again, that can add to a painful problem for someone. So, Kristen, should we take that caller and see and before we have to go for another break? Sure. We're going to talk to Lisa. Hey, Lisa. Hey, good morning. I love your show. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Uh, yeah, I am calling because I have a preteen and a teen, and I would love for them to hear this information firsthand. Um, <laughs> I do think it's valuable for them to hear it from someone else. You know, I yep. I try to help them make good choices, but I think ultimately for them to be in the driver's seat is a really good thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So is there a particular class that you would suggest um, that would make sense for a preteen or a teen to attend? Well, do you think, you know, I well, the best, and if they're really committed, uh, our best series would be to do the six classes, this, the weight and wellness series, because you cover everything. And we have had preteen and teenagers take those classes, and they, they really do love them. But I think taking another, you know, we've got a healthy kids class, okay. and, you know, that's a two-hour class. Um 
We've got um, nutrition for young adults. That's something we don't offer on an, on a regular basis. But when we find that there's enough interest, which I honestly think if people knew it was out there, that there would mm-hmm. be a ton of interest. Oh, sure. And that um, might be make more sense for my high schooler and maybe my preteen. We go to the healthy kid one. Yep, and it's called nutrition for young adults. Um, the other one we have that just might be a good one in kind of a fun class, and these are quick two-hour ones, would be jumpstart your metabolism. And for kids, too, I think that's like, oh, well, that just sounds like, you know, that sounds like a cool class to go to. It doesn't sound like it's a health class or it's just, you know, jumpstart your metabolism. It's fun and fast and they get a ton of information. Well, and I think it just helps fuel their brains, but also they're very active and Oh, great. There's a way for them to fuel their body and not be hungry and all that good stuff that you talk about. Yep, exactly. I will go online and look at your classes. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. That was great. Um, So let's just maybe, you know, we've really talked about sugar and fructose, but, you know, after break, I really want to get into talking about if you have gout, what are some of the supplements and some of the other things besides changing your diet? Mm -hmm. Changing your diet is critical. But what are some of the other things? So maybe we could take a break. You bet. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Kristen Gunderson, nutrition educator, and I'm here with Darlene Kvist, licensed nutritionist, and our special guest, Greg Peterson, co-owner of Nutrition Dynamics. It's a company providing professional quality supplements to healthcare providers. If you have questions about uric acid or gout, give us a shout at 651-641-1071. So welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. So in addition to many, many nutrition classes and seminars we teach, you know, we also provide one-to-one nutrition counseling at all of our offices, including our new office in Lakeville. Yay. Starting the week of May 25th, you can schedule an appointment in Lakeville now. Wonderful. So if you've been waiting for Nutritional Weight and Wellness to come across the river, (laughs) we're there. (laughs) And, you know, just come in, stop in and chat. And if you want directions, call our office at 651-699-3438, or you can sign up. Actually, you can start signing up for an appointment and get on the schedule already. Mm-hmm. So a couple of things that I wanted to kind of talk about just a little bit, because we've talked about gout and uric acid and sugar and sugar and sugar and sugar. Mm-hmm. I think most people know that if they've got that, they've got to cut the sugar. Yep. And they got to cut the beer and they got to cut the soda <laughs> and all those things. But some research has found that by drinking milk hmm. also helps to lower uric acid. Huh. It's kind of a protective device. So... You know, but if you're lactose intolerant, which a lot of people are, don't switch to soy milk because actually soy milk has been found to increase uric acid. Interesting, isn't it? (laughs) So we were going to talk a little bit about some supplements, weren't we? Yes. Yes. So. That that sounds like me. That sounds like you. (laughs) So if you Uh, have gout, what what kind of supplements would you recommend, Greg, for people, like kind of go... The first one that you would think would be the most important for somebody that is having an outbreak of gout right now. Well, yeah, I try to keep it down to practicality, you know, too. And so I say probably the first one I'd look at would be like folic acid, I think, uh, because that, that inhibits a xanthine oxidase enzyme. And that enzyme is the one that converts 
the purines to uric acid. Mm. So if you can modulate that enzyme, you can reduce the amount of uric acid being produced. But you, you have to go to some therapeutic levels. We used to think like about 1,000 micrograms was enough, but really you have to be more like around 5,000 micrograms to maybe even 10 milligram or 10,000 micrograms mm-hmm. or 10 milligrams of uh, folic acid. And then I like to see it in the activated form because uh, statistically speaking, about 3% of our public can't convert folic acid from food to the active form, which is 5-methyl tetrahydrofolate. That's the form the body uses it in to reduce uric acid or you know help with cell you know health and so forth. So, uh, you know, I know at your clinics you have the activated folic acid product for those people because you don't know who those 30% are unless you do, you know, very expensive genetic testing. So we figure let's give it to them in the activated form and that whole question is addressed at that point. Wonderful. You know, that is so interesting that you said folic acid is the number one supplement, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I I bet most people wouldn't think that first. No, you wouldn't, except for you know, years ago when Dr. Sharaskin out of University of Alabama did research on dietary intake of people, and they, they looked at 15,000 dietary assessments. The number one deficiency that came up where they weren't even getting the RDAs, the minimums, was folic acid. Number hmm. two was magnesium. You know, interesting. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it is kind of an interesting connection, but that would be my probably first selection. The next selection would be to modify inflammation because it's an inflammatory process. Yeah. Two things that come up very strongly there is bromelain, you know, from pineapple. It's an mm-hmm. enzyme from pineapple that helps to enzymatically break down inflammation. So that'd be another you know good thing to look at, and probably in the range of about you know you know two to four hundred milligrams a day you know, of bromelain, and then quercetin, which is a bioflavonoid. You know, again, a very powerful um, enhancer of um, antioxidants. Very high in antioxidants also helps inhibit that xanthine oxidase enzyme that converts you know the uh, the purines to uric acid. Uh, so that one again, usually at about two to four hundred milligrams, is good. It happens to be in a product called Aller Stop. I know that you know that's accessible through your clinic too. That has a nice combination of those two and some homeopathics that also help to reduce you know gout uh, formation. Uh, so though, that'd be my my second recommendation. A product like that. Lastly, would be uh, fish oils. Good old oh, fish good, oils. Good, good yeah. old fish oil. <laughs> it all comes back to the fish oils, it's you know, and because they inhibit uh, a very inflammatory um, factor called leukotrienes, which are even more inflammatory than these inflammatory prostaglandins. I know that we've talked about you know, previously on the program. So usually, you know, somewhere in the range of you know, um, you know, fifteen hundred to two thousand milligrams or so of EPA DHA would be a good thing to do. Okay. Uh, yeah, those those would be the basic supplements along with the dietary things, you know, to do, to eliminate the sugars and the different things we've been talking about. Uh, cherries happen to be one of the few good fruits to, to, to consume. And so if you want to uh, get your, your fresh organic cherries in, uh, a few of those a day would, uh, would be a good option uh, along with the supplementation and making sure you're hydrated. Okay. That's a huge other thing to help to flush the kidneys, you know, to eliminate this uric acid. And then also be careful with the medications like diuretics and antibiotics because, of course, they dehydrate the person and exacerbate the problem because of it. Oh, so that would include coffee. Yes, coffee's not a, <laughs> not a good thing either to, you know, wash your beer down with. Uh, you know. <laughs> Keep you awake to drink more beer. No, yeah. I think that those are all really great points again, mm-hmm. Greg. And I think it's 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 great to be able to say that one more time because, uh, you know, there's so many people that are on diuretics 
and a lot of people are on antibiotics often, mm-hmm. and they don't even realize that that's setting them up, cells up possibly to have another breakdown on, on, and end up with uric, you know, uric acid, high uric acid, and gout again. Mm-hmm. And it's like a cycle I see with some people. Mm-hmm. It's over and over and over, and they're always having this problem. Mm-hmm. So. And it's very, you would think it very commonly would be occurring too, because again, we're talking about how high blood pressure is a common denominator in gout patients. And what is one of the major things they give for high blood pressure are is, diuretics, yes. you know, too. Yeah. So there you yes. go. We so, have a call. Do you want to uh, Sure, we can dive take a in? caller. Sure. This is Mike. Good morning, morning Mike. Mike. Yes. Uh-huh. So you have a question for us. Yes, um, I was uh, wondering what you thought of the uh, the uh, sugar substitutes, say like um, Splenda and uh, Equal and and things like that. You know, in, instead of putting honey or sugar in my tea, you know, uh, during the day, what you thought of of using those for, um, you know, for that or putting on cereal, that sort of thing. Oh. I think <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to save Dar from jumping through the microphone. No. <laughs> so you know, I think one of the safer artificial sweeteners, if it's artificial, is stevia, and the rest of them, they're chemically made and they have lots of downsides. And so you know, don't do NutraSweet or Mm-mm. any of those. A uh, little bit of stevia seems to work pretty well for people, <laughs> and not as far as they have found, have no harmful effects. What what are some of the harmful effects of things like Splenda and Equal and those those kinds of uh, um, substitutes? Well, there are many negative side effects. The FDA has even found tied to aspartame. But things with Splenda, which um, the ingredient you might see on a list would be sucralose now because they're starting to not say Splenda anymore. But that inhibits your thyroid function, and you need that to be working for you. Um, the other ones, I mean, aside from all the side effects that you're getting, they're just kind of fooling your body into thinking that you are getting nutrients and your body goes to work at them, or actually calories. Your body goes to break those down and there's nothing there for it to break down because there's no calorie attached to it. And then you're really monkeying with your metabolism. And that sets you up for a lot of other problems down the road. You know, I think, Mike, one of the, there's been some research done at the University of Minnesota on artificial sweeteners. And they found that 35% of those people that use artificial sweeteners ended up with metabolic syndrome, which is, you know, obesity, high blood pressure, diabetes, you know, all the things. So artificial sweeteners, I think what it does is it continues us to want to eat more sugar Mm -hmm. and more sugar. And so we eat more carbohydrate and more carbohydrate. And perhaps it even affects how we uh, metabolize things. So that mm-hmm. it breaks down that basic metabolism factor for people. You know, if you look at some of these artificial sweeteners, like uh, NutraSweet is 200 times sweeter yeah. than sugar. And uh, the, uh, the you know, the other artificial sweetener uh, is 2,000 times sweeter. And, uh, Why? So, <laughs> it, you know, it's it just leads us down the path of wanting more and more of those things. So I guess the bottom line is we would rather have you using things your body actually recognizes, but when you're using those real things, you typically don't need as much. So that, you know, getting back to maybe that half a teaspoon of honey for a sweetener or maple syrup as a sweetener, you really like that, Dar. Right. You know, things your body recognizes what to do with, 
then you're setting yourself for self up for success. Anytime your body doesn't recognize what you're putting in it, it gets confused and it's busy trying to figure that out. And then it can't be working correctly when it's too busy trying to figure out where to put things that it doesn't know what to do with. So have we convinced you? (laughs) (laughs) It's like my favorite topic. Thanks for calling, Mike. So thanks for listening. Greg, thanks for being on. Thank you. As always. Have a great day. All is groovy. Ba-da-da.